It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors get swept out of the season series by the Boston Celtics with a noble 105-96 loss. We'll dig into the defense, which actually looked credible last night for the first time in quite some time. And of course, the parade of bricks that they threw up from deep. All that coming up on today's show. Thanks for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, January the 16th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I'm coming to Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the website that don't work so good, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And of course, you can join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord server. It's a beautiful place to be. Lots of sickos just like you hanging out, talking ball, doing so in a friendly fashion. It's a beautiful thing. We've created a little oasis of hoop talk on the internet over there in the Discord. The link is in the description. It's free to join. would love to see you join us in there to be part of our listener family. Of course, you can find the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Always appreciated. And we are on YouTube as well. You can subscribe to the video version of the show. Just go to YouTube, find the channel, subscribe, hit the little notification bell, and you will never miss an episode when we premiere. So you can hang out with all the little sickos in the chat. There's sickos everywhere. We love it. We love the sickos. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And we will get started by welcoming in one of my favorite dudes to just talk ball with, be it on the internet, be it on a podcast. He is, of course, a pickup legend in Milton, Ontario. He is the author of Pros and Claws, a wonderful newsletter on the Toronto Raptors. It's Asad Alvi at Swar Lasers on that website that's not so good. Asad, how's it going, man? Uh, it's it's going all right. You know, we had a, we had a bit of a game yesterday. Uh, speaking of sickos, <laughs> it was definitely one for the sickos yesterday. But, you know, we're, we're here to talk about it, I guess. Yeah, we're going to dig into the Raptors 105-96 loss to the Celtics. Uh, yeah, I feel like anytime someone digs in to watch the Boston Celtics, they're doing some sort of self-harm. They're a miserable team to watch. I'm sorry. They're incredible. They're a machine. They're probably going to win the NBA title. And they play the most bland, uh, like, analytics-brained basketball you'll ever see with the most white-bred, boring superstar in the NBA. I'm sorry, but the Celtics continue to irritate me. And they irritate me a lot when the Raptors play good defense and just can't scrape it over the finish line because of a really, really bad regression to the mean wave of three-point shooting, uh, which we will get into. We'll talk about the offense a little bit. But I do think, Assad, look, we're at a point now 
The Toronto Raptors, they're 15 and 25. They're not really falling below 12th in the Eastern Conference. They are very much seemingly going to be in a battle between the Nets, the Hawks, and the Bulls for the last two playing spots from here to the end of the season. I don't think it's all that high stakes. I really think the on-court process stuff and watching the sort of gelling of the new guys is the single most important thing to take away and enjoy from this season. So we're not going to start on a negative note despite the loss. We're going to talk about defense because, Assad, the Raptors actually played some last night against the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics scored us 105 points. They're held to an 89.8 offensive rating in the half court. Uh, of course, they're a very good offensive team, one of the best. And the Raptors did a pretty good job of shutting off the faucet. Uh, we'll start there. We'll get into the other stuff. We got good, bad, hmm coming up later. But Assad, impressions of the defense. Darko Ryakovich talked before the game about kind of changing up the coverages a little bit. I think we saw some new stuff. Um, what were your impressions of the defense in this game? How did the Raptors manage to have one of their better defensive efforts in months? <laughs> well, like there's always like attention to detail stuff, like in terms of like, you know, making sure you're switching cleanly and communicating um, there. The Celtics are a little bit easier to deal with in the sense that they don't necessarily have as many downhill attackers like Derek White's their main downhill guy. Um, mm -hmm. Jason Tatum can get downhill, but a lot of the times against the Raptors, they were able to lock him up um, topside and the Raptors just have the type of personnel to deal with um, those kind of wings um, where you saw a lot of the da damage that Tatum did in the last night's game was coming off of screens off ball on a back cut and then mm -hmm. getting loose and then getting downhill. Um, but he had to make his decisions a lot faster. Um, the Raptors also were very help heavy last night. Um, obviously mm -hmm. they had to with Chris Stapps because <laughs> they don't have Jakob Pertl. So anytime <laughs> Chris Stapps got the ball, they were a lot more aggressive sending help um, and then rotating, which is something we saw last season as, uh, as well from this Raptors team. So it's not necessarily something that's new. Um, makes sense given their strengths as being, you know, a long team that can get into passing lanes and then force some turnovers. And that's kind of where they found some of their success um, early in the game, especially in the third quarter when they kind of opened up a lead was they were getting stops, turning them over and getting back out and breaking on the Celtics. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest, the biggest real, like, like those are all things in the defense that you can always improve. It's effort related stuff, detail related stuff. But the biggest one was actually the rebounding where yeah. they very much put the focus in the gang rebound against the Celtics team. That does like to crash. Um, Emmanuel quickly pointed out in his post game um, that you know they knew that the Celtics team liked to crash. So their biggest thing was get the rebound and then get out in transition because you can hurt them early mm -hmm. in transition if you do that. So the team did a great job on the glass. I think uh, what they only the Celtics as a team only had five offensive rebounds, yeah. which like five offensive rebounds is you know not like it's not a great amount like for a team that gets a lot of board offensive rebounds and for a Raptor team that's been giving up like double digit offensive rebounds nightly. <laughs> it's uh it's definitely like a big difference for them. Uh the Raptors have been getting hurt on the offensive glass basically since the trade, even before the trade, that was basically where the weak point started and it's why the Yakapurto units always look a little bit better cuz there's just a little bit more defensive rebounding. Mm -hmm. And probably the biggest element of the rebounding was, you know, Scotty Barnes has 11 defensive rebounds. He's a little bit closer yep. to the net um in today's coverages. He played a little bit at the 5 tonight as well. And it helps stabilize the Raptors defense when you have, you know, big guys in the paint rebounding. And I think long term, that is probably where um, they're going to find success defensively. Of course, like there may be, you know, development stuff that they want to do with Scotty on the perimeter and stuff like that, obviously. But I think we do have a large sample knowing that when you have Scotty Barnes out there and you want to be a good defensive unit, you want to get him closer to the basket. 
Yeah, I think even last night his best defensive moments came as like a backline rim protector, as has been the case for uh, the majority of his career, except for that one game where he chased Steph Curry around really effectively. Um, it, it's been a struggle, and actually we'll get into his struggles on the perimeter against Jason Tatum in particular a little bit later on, at least in my uh, good, bad, hmm, we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, I think the defensive rebounding point's a really important one. Like this team... You know, it's less dependent on defensive rebounds to like run effective offense than it used to be, obviously, because the offense can uh, score (laughs) outside of transition now, which is a beautiful thing. But obviously last night, the Celtics did a pretty damn good job locking them up uh, a offensive rating in the fourth percentile per clean the glass in the half court for the Raptors last night. The Celtics will put the clamps on you. They're like a vice and it's horrifying. They're, God, they're going to win the championship, aren't they? I hate it. I really hate it, man. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought this was a game where, yeah, maybe they, they needed those defensive boards to run off of more than they would in this typical game in the sort of post-trade era. Um, I thought there was some nice moments where, you know, they were pretty liberal with the switching as well. Obviously going a little bit smaller, um, you know, that's going to be kind of the thing you lean into probably. But even when Jonte Porter was in there, he had some moments. He had one possession where he switched on Derek White and kind of hung with him for like 10, 12 seconds and had a block, um, which was like, okay, didn't know Jonte Porter had that in his bag defensively, but that's nice to see. And yeah, I thought they mixed it up pretty nicely. And when they did switch and kind of get those mouse in the house situations, like you talked about, where quickly he's guarding Porzingis down to the block. I thought Pascal did a really good job kind of being the second guy over as he's always been like, that was kind of his main role in a lot of Nick nurse defenses, obviously kind of flying over being that second guy there to force the kick and the swing. And, you know, some moments where the rotations weren't totally on point, a little bit slow, a step behind, but for the most part, uh, the detail stuff was uh, pretty interesting. And anything on defense where they show some life is encouraging to me. Like this is clearly the thing they have to do to get their house in order as the season progresses. It's been, I think going into last night, they were 26th in defense since the trade. So, you know, and obviously not having Yaka Pertle really, really inhibits their ability to sort of perform at their top end defensively. But uh, you know, some, some nice stuff last night, a nice step forward for a defense that has been on hard times of late, despite the loss, we're going to come back Assad, get into the offense, which was a brick machine last night. We'll talk about that and what went wrong. Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get to that coming up in just one sec. Today's show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with trying to change ourselves instead of just expanding on the stuff that we're already doing right. Therapy helps you find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that will actually stick. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You can just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. That's a big deal. You know, having the proper therapist who you connect with, have a good connection with, who makes sense, who listens, all that stuff. It's really important. Not everyone's going to be the right fit, but you can switch that therapist anytime for no additional charge with BetterHelp. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedInNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, the single best sports book in all the land. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's all you got to do. Place a bet. Win or lose, you're going to get $150 in bonus bets to go peruse the FanDuel website where there's tons of stuff for you to go throw some money down on. You got the live same game parlay, which is a fun thing. Maybe you're attending a game. You want to juice up the action 
mentioned while you're in attendance you do that live same game parlay get a few players on an entry and go have yourself a ball you can find bets in the new explore tab you can make a parlay in the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlays maybe you'll be like me you put down one bet a year i last year i put money on the denver nuggets to win the title and i won and it was great you can always do that as well be the single bet champ just like me go to fanduel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup fanduel official partner of the nfl Okay, continuing on here with Asad Alvi from the Pros and Claws newsletter, among other uh, areas of Raptors internet. Asad, let's uh, dive into the offense from last night against the Boston Celtics. That regression wave came crashing like a tsunami, did it not? 4 of 32 from deep. Siakam 0 for 6 after being like like 70% over the last handful of games. Scotty Barnes 0 for 2. Jonte Porter 0 for 2. RJ Barrett 0 for 4. The Raptors go 2 of 21 among their starters. Emmanuel quickly 2 of 7, the only starter to hit a 3 in this game. Uh, not what you want against a Boston Celtics team that is going to make life difficult for you getting to the rim. The Raptors actually did a decent job scoring from two in this game, but uh, you know, you just are not going to beat the Boston Celtics shooting four of 32 from deep, considering the math edge they walk into every game with as an extremely high volume three point shooting team. You can stop them from two all you want. And they did last night, 17 of 43 from two were the Boston Celtics, but uh, you know, Derek white drew holiday bombing away. Tough stuff to deal with. Uh, was there anything, you know, we're not at a couple games in a row here, Assad, where the Raptors have come up against kind of zone-heavy teams. We saw, of course, the Celtics last night and the Jazz in that nasty schedule loss on Friday where the Jazz throw all kinds of junk at you. And the Raptors have had some trouble both nights kind of carving things up. I think the Raptors, you know, they shot well from three in that Jazz game, which kind of bailed out their numbers, but it was not a very good offensive performance, I would argue. Um, Anything you're noticing here the last couple of games about the way the offense is congealing? Obviously, they look like they were really kind of on a heater there for the first five or six games after the trade. Um, Anything of concern here or is just just a couple of junky defenses in a couple of games where the Raptors have gone cold, at least in the second one here, going 4-32, which they will probably not do all that often. Um, what, What were your thoughts on the way the offense performed or did not perform in this game against Boston? Uh, I think part of it is definitely like, yeah, they went cold. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. they're the worst percentage the Raptors have shot since like 2012 or 2011. I think you're the guy that's that. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I, I, I always hesitate when you have a bad shooting night against the zone because a lot of times it's a compounding effect where it's like on a regular night, the shots that you're getting for your guys are out of the rhythm of the offense. Um, so you're getting open threes, they're shot ready for them. And they know that like, that's the shot that's coming. Like this is the play mm-hmm. we're running. We're getting a shot out of this, or I'm an option on this play. I'm going to get a shot out of this against the zone. I find the Raptors have been a little bit flummoxed in terms of how to, how to set up, how to get, like, how are they going to create their advantage? How are they going to attack the zone and credit to the Celtics defense, a great defense. Um, yeah. they do a lot of switching. They'll scram switch their small guys out. Once the switch doesn't work, there's one play. I think the Raptors are trying to get Scotty Barnes a post up. Uh, it was either Scotty or Pascal post up against uh, a small. And then by the time they were actually able to get to the post up, Al Horford was there. And it's like, right. you, you did all that work. You got all these switches and then they managed to get it reset before you even got the ball to where you wanted to go. So I think part of it is that the Raptors obviously don't have the three point shooting. They were short Gary Trent jr. Uh, yesterday. I think having that second real knockdown shooter out there, if they could have a lot a of Jalen McDaniels, man. Yeah. Like if you have quickly and Gary Trent out there, it becomes a lot easier to, you know, contort the zone. It's mm-hmm. why the Raptors look best in those quickly minutes. It's also why the Raptors offense fell apart at the end of the third quarter. 
uh, when the Celtics went on like a 20 to four run or something uh, to close yeah. the quarter when quickly sat, like quickly sat for three minutes. I think the Raptors only had two points to close the quarter or something like that. And it was, it was, you could just see the difference between when quickly would have the ball or quickly how the defense was reacting to him versus how they would react to basically anyone else on the Raptors. Uh, so yes, part of it's a cold shooting night, but again, part of the function is, and this is why you see a lot of teams struggle to shoot from three against the Miami heat. We've seen that happen mm-hmm. to the Raptors a lot where you'll just have like these disgusting shooting nights against really zone heavy teams. And part of it feeds into each other team sees you're not making threes against zone you more. And then as they start zoning you harder, you're suddenly feel like you're forcing open threes rather than, you know, taking a natural open three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the second piece I have of concern for the Raptors offense, it's not even a concern point, but I think it's just a point of emphasis is like he, they brought in Emmanuel quickly. I understand that he wants to pass a little bit more. He wants to showcase his passing, but I do think that the piece that's missing for the Raptors right now is quickly taking, like using his threat as a three point shooter and actually taking some shots. Yes. Um, yeah. He definitely uses his threat to contort the defense, but he just needs to get more attempts up right now. He's averaging, I think per 36, I looked up, he's at 7.1 per game as a Raptor. Um, as a New York Nick before the trade, he was at like near eight. Um, mm-hmm. And previously with the Knicks, he's been at around that eight mark per 36. He needs to be like above eight, like eight to nine shot attempts a game from three um, himself. I would aim at 10, 10 threes a game for Emmanuel quickly. Like there's no reason not to if he's in a 33, 35 minute role. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar for Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes only got two attempts up last night. Of course, that's a function of, when you're beating a zone, you need to have like, you know, your bigs that are going to pass out of the middle of the zone and collapse it. So Scotty was in that role a lot more. Um, but you need him to be at the five to six three point range. Um, and maybe that means putting Pascal more on ball in the middle of the floor and Scotty in the corner. So that way the defense is helping off him mm-hmm. uh, versus having the flip where you have Pascal in the corner and Scotty on the ball in the middle. And it's just, it's just a matter of figuring out how to get the number of three-point attempts up. Because even in the Jazz game, the Raptors shot 17 to 34, but they only got 34 threes up. Mm-hmm. If you can get that closer to 37, 38, 39 attempts on a night, I think that would be better for the Raptors in general. Um, not that their offense has been a massive problem, but if you're going to play better defense and play more half-court offense then at, against zones, you're going to need to – be a bit better about parking your shooters where they're going to get a shot and then actually getting the shot attempts like the volume mm-hmm. up. Because last night the Raptors did deliver a lot of three-point attempts to probably their worst three-point shooters, which is what the Celtics would have wanted um, as their defensive game plan. Yeah, for sure. I, I, yeah, you'd want that flipped, I think, six attempts to two attempts between Pascal and Scotty. And the point of putting Scotty off ball, I think, is a really good one. And, uh, you know, the sort of, you know, if there's a certain corner of the fan base, it'll be like, Scotty off the ball. How are you going to do that? But, like, Scotty off the ball is amazing. He's been, like, one of the better spot-up scorers in the league over the course of the season, like, top quarter um, in terms of, like, the percentiles all season long as a spot-up guy. It's because he's a 38% high-volume shooter who, when a closeout comes his way, is causing all kinds of havoc getting downhill. And, yeah, I, I think... That is something that they can tap into a little bit. And I just, back to your quickly point, you know, so far with the Raptors, eight games, he's averaging 2.8 pull-up attempts per game. He's shooting 36% on those. Fred Van Vliet was averaging like four and a half pull-ups during his time with the Raptors last season, especially after the trade with Yaka Pirtle. And obviously not having Pirtle for half of the games affects this. They haven't been able to run that quickly and Pirtle pick and roll. That hurts. But 
I would like to see a little more uh, of the quickly and Pascal pick and roll stuff, the quickly and Scotty pick and roll stuff. Like in particular, like the quickly Scotty dynamic, there have been moments where it's looked really good, but I don't feel like they've tapped into that sort of dynamism that those two can have working in connection with one another quite enough. And I think that is a way that you kind of unlock those opportunities to quickly to kind of rain pull up threes on people's heads is if you have people with like legitimate roll gravity or pop gravity to kind of give a little bit of space there, get those windows where quickly put it up. Um, that's, I think, something I'd like to see a little bit more. Obviously tougher against a very good defense that's zoning you up and making things very difficult. But, um, you know, I think that's a, that, that's a worthwhile thing to keep an eye on. And as far as like the zone busting, you know who they kind of miss zone busting? And this is a crazy statement. It's precious to Chua a little bit, right? Like he could flash to the middle and just be like, well, I'm going to blow by the center and score. And like, that was like a pretty viable way for them to get easy buckets. Obviously a third of those times he's booting it out of bounds and doing precious things. But that was like a valuable little thing that they had in their toolbox that I don't and know when if you figured out a way to sort of counteract not having now. When you talk about that role, it's uh, it's interesting to see that the guy who had probably the most offensive success last night was R.J. Barrett because that's what yeah. he was doing. He catches off ball and just will attack. He will cut mm-hmm. and he will cut and he will cut and he will drive. And he just kept getting to his left hand early in the game. I think he had like 10 in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really uh, buzzing uh, in that game early on where he was just blowing up the zone by cutting through the middle, attacking hard, driving hard. And that's stuff that you primarily would have wanted to see from Precious Achua. And probably why I think R.J has looked so good as a Raptor is because he's getting a lot of the looks that not only is he a finishing them fairly well outside of that one game against Utah, but he's been, um, he, it's kind of a bit of comparison in your own head where, Oh, on, on the same look I'm seeing like, you know, OG kind of awkwardly cut or I'm seeing pressure to Chua <laughs> accidentally dribble into three guys and commit an offensive foul or decide to pass it as, as he's about to dunk the ball or something. I don't know. <laughs> you can kind of make whatever decision he wants at any given moment. So it's it's just it's nice to see someone so kind of single-minded in what they want to mm-hmm. do and have decided and make a clear path for himself. Uh jumping back to the quickly point, uh yeah. it does suck that he's missing a screener and Yakapurto. I do want to see him work more with Barnes, but I think the other thing the Raptors just in general need to do is they need to set the screens from a lot higher. I yeah. think right now they're, they've become so used to, I think, setting the screens at the three-point line or a little bit under the three-point line right. that when they run that high pick and roll or they run those pick and rolls for quickly, they're not setting three the the pick high enough. Uh, one, of the, one of the things um, I looked at on Pros and Claws on the Substack was um, I did a video on Emmanuel Quickly's playmaking um, after the trade. And I looked at a lot of his uh, playmaking looks out of the pick and roll, out of different situations, DHO. And one thing that was noted was New York set those screens really high for him. Mm-hmm. Of course, New York had some really big screeners. They have Mitchell Robinson. They've got Isaiah Hartenstein. Like, those are big body dudes. But they're setting the screen at, like, the four-point line. And what that allows quickly to do is quickly, A, has intense speed, but he loves kind of, like, just sticking on the screen. Like, after he guy gets hit on the screen, he likes to stick there for a second to see what the defender is going to do. And then he kind of goes start, stop, and starts like jagging in and out and deciding what he wants to do. Uh, so I think the Raptors, that's the only thing that I would say they need to adjust a little bit on the quickly stuff. And that kind of comes with, you know, getting to know a player and like learning where they want the ball, what they, where they want their screen, how they want the screen set. And it sucks that Pirtle's injured during this period because I would love to see as much Jakob Pirtle and Manuel quickly two men game as possible. But that's one thing I would look out to see how the Raptors do better in terms of setting that screen for quickly a lot higher up. So then it gives them more of a downhill to attack and also pop for that three 
when yeah. um, behind the line. Yeah, that's like they're they have to condition themselves to not operating in a phone booth like they have for the last six years, <laughs> six years, three years, whatever it's been. Um, you know, obviously Fred was a bit of an agent for vertical spacing as well, but not only quite to the same degree that even quickly can be kind of when fully unleashed. So yeah, I uh, I think that's a really good point on the RJ thing as well. I, I think you know the way he's fit into the offense. I think it's like. It's kind of a thing where the system fits the things he does already well, right? Like moving off the ball, uh, sort of just barraging his way to the rim, making quick decisions. Like it empowers him to do the stuff as like a scorer that he's always been good at, while also, I think, working against like his worst tendencies and kind of helping him, right? Because like this offense doesn't have room for him to have these sort of meandering, long bully drives, right? It's got to be a lot more quick firing. And I think that's uh, been a pretty nice marriage of player and system that we've seen so far. Also, uh, he's got Thad Young throwing cool-ass passes to him uh, seemingly every time down the floor, which certainly helps. Seven assists for Thad. Incredible stuff. Um, we'll leave it there, though. The good offense talk. We'll come back to the other side, get into the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out today's episode. We'll do that in just one sec. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Scar in the Lion King said it best. Be prepared. It's really all it comes down to. Uh, and specifically, that's like when you're traveling. When you're traveling, you want to be prepared. You want to have the essentials on hand in case you fall sick. Sometimes you fall sick when you're traveling. It can ruin your trip. You don't want that to happen. You're far away from medical attention. If you have the Jace case, though, it's a little bit easier to work that out. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This Stuff can happen to anybody, especially while you're traveling. The Jace case is simple. You order it. You hopefully never use it in your entire life, but you pack it in your bag as you travel. It's just tiny. It fits in there nicely next to your underwear or your shoes, whatever it might be. And you have it on hand in case you fall sick. You have access to all of their licensed physicians as well for direction on how to use it safely and properly. If you do fall ill while you're abroad, visit jacemedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy for a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use the offer code LOCKDOWN to get 20 bucks off your first order. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Rounding up the show here with Assad Alvi from Pros and Claws. Uh, and again, just sort of schooling fools at Milton Rec Centers uh, for decades now, right? Is that kind of the, <laughs> is that the storied career of Assad? Just, yeah, uh, that's one, that's one way to age me. But yeah, no, I was, it was, it was kind of sad the other day. I was like, uh, we're getting ready for our rec league season starting today. So mm. I was looking at it and I just came across like, you know, how Snapchat kind of sh- throws you some memories. Sure. So it was like a clip of me like nailing like a half court shot, like just don't warm ups. <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's great. I'm like, oh, I remember this. And I'm like, oh, this is when I first joined this league. And then it's like 10 years ago. I'm like, that is depressing. But okay. Um, that's a long yeah, and storied what, career. I don't I don't know what you're talking about. That's uh I've gone from thing. I've gone from 220 pound shooting guard to 300 pound point center, but it, <laughs> that's what happens. My favorite kind of basketball player in general. So uh, you know, I, I I can't wait to we just got the email about the Raptors Republic three on three tournament coming back in March. I uh 
can't wait to see you. Uh, oh, it's yeah, perfect, March. I yeah. was uh, yeah. wondering when that was going to happen. So, right. <laughs> All I remember is uh, Sean Woodley taking out my ankle uh, many years ago. Because Ex- I crossed you up so bad, or did I like? No, you? we I were on remember. defense, and Sean Woodley just decided he was going to set the nastiest screen. And I have the video footage. He clearly <laughs> targeted my ankle, uh, but it's fine. It's fine. We will get revenge one day. I went to the Marcus All and Serge Ibaka School of Screens. Uh, it's a uh, well, no one's calling it a pickup, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, wrap it up here with the good, the bad, and the hmm. We will use things from the basketball game last night, not our pickup or rec league exploits. What was your good from last night's game, Assad? Uh, the defensive rebounding it was great. It was yeah, awesome. There you go. I loved it. Jonte Porter, like again, I don't think much of Jonte Porter, but like in terms of like he had to start in a spot and he looked mm-hmm. okay in it. Um, you mentioned <laughs> earlier his like closeout stuff. There's actually a sequence in the Sacramento game where I think he had to do three times. He had to on the same play because they kept giving up offensive rebounds, or uh, I think Sacramento kept passing out of it. But Jonte closed out to the three point shooter, then stuck with the shooter through the dive, then had to close out to another three point shooter, <laughs> stick with him, and then it was like three times in a row in the same play. And I'm like, that that's impressive to me. Um, I don't <laughs> think he's necessarily a good defender, but he's definitely not a bad defender. I think he's got some chops there at least. Um, he tries. He tries. And he's smart. Yeah. I think he yeah. kind of understands where to be, even though he's come overcoming kind of a, a very apparent lack of athleticism. But uh, yeah, point well taken. My good is, I, we mentioned it before, RJ Barrett's cutting. Uh, man, the dude cuts with such force and it's beautiful to behold. He's just like slingshotting his way to the basket. Uh, you know, Thad Young, of course, finding him a couple times last night. And I do not envy anyone who's like meeting RJ Barrett at the rim. That dude is a tank and watching him kind of work off ball, find the pockets of the defense where he can attack. Uh, I think the role he's in right now on offense is perfect. And I would prefer if the Raptors didn't trade away a very important offensive player who allows RJ Barrett to occupy this lower leverage off ball role. But we can save that for another day or any of the last six podcasts we, we've recorded recorded if you want to go check that out uh what you got for your bad in this one uh the bad it's pretty the shooting <laughs> like I don't, I don't know <laughs> it, it's such an obvious bad that i don't really know what to say but i like i think you, bad cut, the... bad, you can go there too you can talk about chris boucher if you want <laughs> yeah no no chris boucher, i don't mind chris chris has a good, lot of good energy it just like shots don't go down they don't go down but like yeah i think fat young at one point uh airballed a corner three-pointer like two oh, feet long and man. i was like all right so that's our night today that's great uh remember when it, nick it, nurse it, just stuck him in the corner for like an entire back half of a season after the trade deadline that was cool yeah. <laughs> the thing was he made his first couple that season so it was like oh <laughs> they fixed him the, the 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 shot doctors have gotten to him he's good yeah. yeah that was that was rough stuff that we can highlight that one Thad three as the bad if you want. Uh, on an otherwise solid night, the team leader and plus minus Thad Young in this game. Um, but yeah, that was rough. My bad is uh, Scotty and Pascal's perimeter defense in this one. Uh, in particular, the stretch where in the late third quarter, Jason Tatum is eviscerating Scotty Barnes every single time down the floor as they are talking about Scotty Barnes in the sideline report with Kayla talking about like 
Scotty Barnes is ready for these big time matchups. He's just he's talking about it all the time, how he wants these big assignments. He talks to Darko about it as Jason Tatum is cooking him for a personal 8-0 run. Uh, that that was that hit pretty hard. There was also a couple moments where Siakam, you know, Siakam hits his peaks on defense. He also has had plenty of blowbys allowed this season. And I think there were a few in last night's game, particularly the first of Jason Tatum's two very loud dunks back to back. Um, you know, again, they they got roasted by Tatum in a lot of you know, he didn't have a great game overall, just 19 on pretty inefficient shooting. But the moments where Tatum was cooking, it was Siakam and Barnes who were, uh, I suppose, the in the pan. I don't know. It was yeah. not the best. So yeah, that was my that, bad. That actually one. just reminded me of the mm. bad that I, I think that really did stick out. Third okay. quarter, the Raptors were on a bit of a run, and they had played such good defense. They had turned him over. Pascal's breaking. They've got Tatum in front of them or somebody in front of them. He kicks it back to Scotty Barnes. It's a two-on-one fast break. They've got quickly shooting to the corner. And then Scotty Barnes does like a no-look pass to Pascal. It's a two-on-one. It just like mm-hmm. no-looks it, but Tatum yeah. doesn't look with him, and it just becomes yeah. a steal. And then the Celtics just have this onslaught afterwards. Um, at that point, I think both Pascal and Scotty had gotten pretty tired. I think they were late in their shift anyways. But mm-hmm. that was like the one where I was just like, oh, man. Like, I love no-look passes. Don't get me wrong. It's my favorite pass. Like, <laughs> that's the only pass I throw nowadays is no-looks. <laughs> but, like, so I have nothing against a no-look pass. I love it. But, man, when you screw it up, it just uh, it hurts. But it uh, is yeah, that, that was probably the bad. <laughs> it is also, like, pretty stark anytime you see Scotty and Pascal bungle a fast break, considering that's, like, instant buckets most of the time. Yeah, that did feel like a big one. Because, yeah, I think Holiday came down, hit a shot, and then the the run kind of began there. Bummer. Uh, let's go to the hmm. What you got for your hmm from this game, Assad? Hmm. Um, I think it was just intriguing to see that they could play defense, like in general. I was. We're on theme today, baby. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if they could rebound. And they actually showed that they could rebound. I was actually very, uh, uh, I was interested by that. But uh, Scotty's yeah. a hell of a rebounder when he's like really doing it, man. He's yeah. really, really good at it when he's locked in. Yeah. Um, sorry, did you have something else you wanted to add there? Nah, the only other thing was, again, like, uh, like, Jonte Porter is very interesting. I like him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I liked uh, he, he went with, like, a Drake comeback season uh, type <laughs> cut, tried to keep it nice and tight. He's got the facial <laughs> hair nice and tight. So, you know, looked like an old Drake album cover, but, you know, shout out to him. Uh, uh, you, you know, you get your first start. You got to look good for it. And he came and made sure he looked good for his first start. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, actually my, my favorite hmm, thing, uh, favorite yeah, NBA thing is the first game back after a road trip, everybody mm-hmm. gets back to their barbers, everybody gets a clean cut, and yeah. everybody <laughs> looks clean again. It's like, oh, yeah, their braids are redone, everything's up. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> back Love on it. the road. Uh, my whom is also Jonte Porter related. You mentioned him getting the start. I thought he performed reasonably well in the first half. You know, it'd be nice if he could hit some shots. He was one of five, oh, two from deep, but you know, some nice passing. You mentioned the, the rebounds, you mentioned the defense. Um, he, then he gets 10 seconds of action in the second half. He fouls Chris Dapps on the offensive end, gets his fourth foul, and then never sees the floor again. Uh, bit of a weird one. I know like Darko went small and there was a lot of logic to going small late in this game, I thought, and they obviously made a pretty decent push to close and their defense held up pretty admirably even without Jonte out there. But it, it did feel a little strange that he was just like pinned to the bench after picking up his fourth foul. 
I, I don't know if that says anything about Darko's belief in Jonte Porter. It might have just been game flow. It might have just been matchups and all of that. But, uh, you know, keep an eye on that one because that was a pretty quick hook. And I, you know, the fourth foul is going to get you there. But yeah. I mean, could have gone back it, into probably at some point. It seemed in that second half he really liked the McDaniels look more than he liked the Porter look. And, like, mm-hmm. I guess I get it because it lets you, in theory, get out and transition more, be a little bit more switchable, maybe gives you a little bit more three-point shooting, though I don't imagine how much. Like, McDaniels did hit his first three in the game. Um, didn't hit he hit a three that, but... in transition that was wide open that I was certain he, was bricking because he's bricked he that hit, shot. He hit a quarter of the Raptors threes. So, you know what? If you've got a guy who's hit a quarter of your threes, you got to play him. So, I, I actually months. don't I, I don't mind the decision actually looking back at it but oh yeah. man you know it's a rough shooting night when uh your best shooter by percentage is Jalen McDaniels from deep uh hey Jalen McDaniels actually been he, he hit a three tonight he was one of the few yeah. Raptors to hit a three and then the other night against Utah I think he was one of two Raptors to shoot over 50 percent from inside the arc which was yeah like Chris Boucher was a one of one and he was four of five I'm like, We've stumbled onto crazy. a sneaky hmm here. Is Jalen McDaniels revived? Is he back? Is he a rotation player? Or is he just about to be traded to the Bucks for a future second round pick? We'll see. Uh, we will leave it there, though, Assad. Thanks so much for hanging out, man. It was great having you. Do you have anything you want to promote for the good people out there? Yeah, of course. Always check us out on Substack, um, Pros and Claws. Uh, myself and Iman are always putting out work there, uh, Raptors and NBA related. Um, I did a couple of breakdowns um, that are great. Video, uh, video watches that you can watch on YouTube as well. Um, just breaking down play by play both RJ Barrett's 37 point game as well as Emmanuel Quickly's playmaking. Those are all good watches. We also have more content coming out um, more or less weekly uh, coming up. And, you know, hopefully the Raptors give us, uh, you know, some good, some good games to over on this little home trip to give us something to talk about. Yeah, man, it, it does feel like one of the least deserved four-game losing streaks, but they are on a four-game losing streak. They should probably start to rack up some dubs here at some point. The Heat will be tough. The Bulls, hopefully not tough. We'll see. Um, just a banger of a game in the play-in race. Bulls, Raptors. Just You can't keep these two teams from playing high-leverage, high-stakes basketball, baby. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Wednesday. I'm hoping to get Katie Heindel on the show, but I know she's up at the cottage and it's snowy and blustery, and I'm not sure if she'll have internet to do that. So we might do a mailbag show, something like that. Either way, back again tomorrow. we got Jamar Hines coming along on Thursday. We've got Tony East from Locked On Pacers on Friday to talk about, well, you know what we're going to talk about with the Pacers host, but uh, that's going to be up on Friday as well. Thank you so much for hanging, and uh, extend Pascal Siakam now. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.